Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. Today, we're excited to welcome a guest onto our show. We wanted to change things up a little bit here with just Kate and myself, and we wanted to bring in some of the people who are actually experts in helping to get children outside, exploring new places and exploring the great outdoors, um, and people who really understand what the value of going outside does, not only for your physical health, but of course, all of the mental development that goes with that as well. So I'm going to flip it over to Kate now, who's going to introduce our awesome guest today. Really excited to have Jane Pilskalnietis with us. Jane is the founder and chief play officer of Wild Bright Play. She's an outdoor play specialist who's on a mission to bring outdoor free play and nature connection back into the daily lives of children. Jane is trained in play work and has a background in environmental education and a degree in landscape architecture. She's run over 100 pop-up adventure playgrounds, engaging over 17,000 children and trained over 400 people in the playwork approach. In her other job as a parent, Jane enjoys spending time wandering around her Mississauga neighborhood with her young daughter, exploring, discovering, and connecting with the natural world. Jane, we're really excited that you're here with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, well, thanks, Jane, for coming on. Um, Jane reached out to us via Instagram on our Instagram channel, Get Outside With Kids. And immediately, even just from the name of your account, I was like, oh yeah, this is someone we definitely want to chat with. Um, and I hopped on a call with Jane a couple of weeks ago to hash out some ideas. Um, and it was just so awesome to meet someone who's like, this is exactly the message we're trying to get out there. And while we and Kate like feel this way, Jane actually has the science and the methodology to back up <laughs> why it's super important, um, which is why we're so excited to have Jane here today. As it turns out, I'm actually from Ontario. You know, if you listen to episode one where we do the introduction, I'm actually uh, from close by where Jane is. So Jane is joining us uh, from Eastern Standard Time Zone today. So thank you, Jane, for making time um, out of your busy schedule to work with us to be here. Um, so now uh, let's dive into some of the questions we want to know and pick Jane's brain about. Yeah. So Jane, a lot of your background is in outdoor free play. Can you tell us what does it mean? What is outdoor free play? One of the best ways to kind of get at that question is, is to ask how you played as a child. So not everybody has the same experience, but I'm going to ask both of you um, to think about a time when you were younger and you were you were playing. And so you can take a moment, close your eyes if you want, and I can ask the, the listeners to do this as well. And, and choose a moment that you were playing and you were truly immersed in your play. So let's just take a little break and think about it. How are you feeling about what you were doing you think about, is there, are there any adults there? Are there other kids? Were you inside? Were you outside? Maybe were you doing something maybe you shouldn't have been doing? You know, maybe an adult wouldn't have been totally on board with it. So just take a minute. Do you guys have anything? to share? Oh my gosh, so many examples. Um, so me and Kate are similar ages, uh, you know, born in the 80s. And I grew up at a, a court or cul-de-sac, depending on how you called it. And our cul-de-sac was all kids of the same ages. Like it was a brand new development. So when all the families moved in, you know, relatively the same ages of children. And so there was a gang of like three to six of us that would hang out all the time. And when you said like, where were the parents? I was like, good question. Where are the parents? Like they were never <laughs> around. What, where did my parents go all the time? Because we were just outside. There was a gang of us outside in the court. So again, it's safer in the sense that it wasn't like a through street with traffic, but it was a dead end, you know, a cul-de-sac. And we would be out there all day doing stuff. Like we would be, the chalk would be out, we'd be out rollerblading, we'd play hide and seek. Um, we all had backyards that we all just freely roamed in between. Like I had a pool, another neighbor had a, a really cool swing set play set, and another neighbor had like a, a really fun gazebo deck structure. And it felt like we would just flit back and forth all day 
between each other's backyards. And I guess we just went inside when we got hungry or tired at some point. Like, I'm not even sure when we went back in, I guess when the street lights went on and it got dark, essentially. Yeah, I guess the thing that came to mind for me was in, I grew up in Australia and we had a big back garden with a mulberry bush. You don't really get mulberry bushes here, but they're pretty common in Australia. And it was huge. And you could climb this thing right up to the top. So when you're saying, where were the parents? Again, I don't really know. I know that we were only allowed to climb the mulberry bush in just our underwear because it stains, the berries stain your clothes. <laughs> so if you're eating them all day, they stain your clothes. So we had, I know that me and my siblings were out there in just our underwear climbing up it. And I also know for sure that there were no parents around because I fell out of the mulberry bush and scratched scratch my arm and lay on the ground going, ah, and no one came because <laughs> there were no parents around. <laughs> so Definitely no parents around. I don't know where they were. But yeah, we spent a lot of time in the back garden as kids. We put, you know, it's hot in Australia. There's now a lot more water restrictions because water is more of an issue. Back in the 80s, it was like, do what you will. And so we'd have the sprinklers on and they'd just be, you know, be running around in there. And yeah, I, I don't remember the parents being around at all. So first of all, <laughs> I just love that image of like, a whole bunch of kids in their underwear in a mulberry tree. <laughs> like, that's just awesome. All purple as well. Like, <laughs> all our fingers were purple. All yeah. your mouth was purple because you were just eating the berries the whole time. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because we actually had, we had a mulberry tree in our front yard and that was one of my favorite places I uh, to be. And um, I don't, we didn't climb it, but, uh, you know, eating the berries and we would sometimes look out the window and you'd see like little legs, you know, some neighborhood kid who was just coming and having a, a snack. Thinking about those kind of memories, do you, do you think your children get to play like that today? No, definitely not. <laughs> so, and we can, you know, we can talk about some of the reasons why that is, but that's kind of what I'm, when I say, you know, I'm advocating for outdoor free play, that's, that's a version of it. I mean, that's the, the ideal version of it where children get, get to go outside of their house. They get to, you know, to meet up with their friends and they get to really direct their own play it, but it can also be be outside in in a park on in a playground or even in a more natural park like a provincial park or a national park it could be it can be anywhere essentially as as long as it's outdoors so what does the free part mean here when you're saying free play i mean my kids aren't locked up i don't have them on chains i don't put them on a leash so they are technically free all the time but what do you really mean when you say free play there are some different words that are used by play advocates and sometimes it's unstructured but unstructured is is also children's play often does have a lot of structure within it so i don't like that word as much as i like free and and it's free in the sense of of the child has choice the child is directing it the child is is doing it because they want to and it's not because somebody's telling them to or it's not an adult led activity you know it's it's them being outside getting to choose what they do when they do it who they're doing it with essentially yeah, no, I really love all of that. I feel like me and Kate are lucky to live. I mean, physically, we live in on the same street <laughs> as one another. So our children interact quite a bit. And we we do try and have some of that as much as we can. I mean, again, I, I think a lot has changed these days to limit some of the aspects. But I think me and Kate both believe in like when we're outside with the kids, like my job is to, you know, make sure you don't get hit by a car and make sure you're safe. But I, I want you guys to lead the activities, essentially. Like, you know what's here, you know what's yeah. safe, but you guys kind of um, have the run of that. So, so maybe from your perspective, you know, what do you think's changed in our world that has really led to this overall decline in, in free play and what we're seeing now? 
Yeah, I, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I wish we had what we had when we were children. And, and we can do some things t- to create that. But there's a lot more parental concerns, sort of, you know, fear around stranger danger and risk aversion and, and pressure from the media about that, which it actually kind of exasperates it. It's not actually as bad as we tend to think it is. Like accidents, uh, injury rates are actually lower than we tend to think on a in a playground. The risk of like abduction is extremely low from somebody that's outside of your family. So those are some of the, the big fear kind of ones that come up. But the other ones are, you know, screens. They're so, you know, they're so enticing and they're, they're everywhere these days. And it can be really hard to get kids off screens. I'm lucky I, mine's a three-year-old, so I don't have, we're not having huge battles over it yet, but I know that that's a big issue. And then the other one is, you know, there's just time. We actually say the, the biggest ones we say are children need time, space, and freedom to play. And when we take away those things, then, then, free play or child-led play disappears. I find that time is a huge one because children are, are in school so long. And now you know, with both parents working, there isn't time. There isn't that after school, you just go out onto the street, hang out with the kids in the neighborhood. And then along with that, there's, there's the pressures of uh, academic pressures and tutoring and, you know, doing piano or soccer and all those overscheduled activities that there's just, when do you just get to be a kid, right? Yeah. So those are, those are some of the big ones. I've been thinking about this a little bit, Jane, in terms of the sort of more structured kinds of activities. And Jen and I both have um, signed our kids up to soccer classes just to see if they liked it, right? And we have had very opposite experiences. Jen's kid loves it. My kid hates it. (laughs) And and so I'm kind of curious about what your thoughts are on that sort of those sort of structured activities and how is there is is there a need for a mix for them? Are we doing it wrong here? Do you need to have some organized activities, some not? Is more free play always better? That's a great question. I'm not sure if free play is always better. I think that you get a lot, children get a lot out of just just playing. You know, we say it's just child's play or they're just playing. They're doing so much more than just playing. Like they're they're learning, they're exploring, they're investigating, they're they're building their their physical development, vestibular sense, proprioception, like all sorts of things that they're doing. And we need to recognize and honor that. But I think that there is a balance. And I think that listening to your children is important. And, and I, yeah. <laughs> listening me- to her, she's like, I want to go home now. And I said, why, yeah. do, you, why do you want to go home? She goes, oh, this is just taking up too much of my time. And I was like, it's a Sunday morning with nowhere to be. She's like, I just, I need to go home now. I want to go play with my friends. I'm listening and I'm hearing that she's not liking it. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, like I grew up, my parents are both very, you know, sporty, athletic. I grew up doing a lot of those kinds of things. And, you know, some of them I loved and some of them I didn't. And I also remember like not wanting to go on a certain day, but then once I got there, I had a great time. So, you know, as a parent, it's a balance of that, but I think we need to, we do need to listen to them. And I love how she's like, I got other things to do. And like, she does like (laughs) that's And that's what childhood is, right? Childhood, her work is, is playing. And if they like soccer, then fine. And that's great. There's a lot of benefits from doing an organized sport and physical literacy, all that kind of stuff that happens and being part of a team for sure. But what we want to be careful of is over scheduling our kids. So, you know, if you have 
one thing a week, like you, that's what you do. You do soccer and you do it once a week, or maybe you do one other thing too. Okay. But, and make sure you're not going from one activity to another, or if you have a day where you do something um, on, like on a Saturday, I know you guys, you talk a lot about hiking. So like, you know, Saturdays, like you're going for a hike. Well, then Sunday is let's have a home day. Because it's so important for them, that comes back to the, the child directed part is they need to, they need to have that chance to direct their own play and to create their own experiences. And they need to be able to, to be with their friends. And there's so much social development that comes out of that. And, and that's actually the part too about having the adults step back a bit because there's so much that goes on when, adults aren't involved and there's ideas that come about but there's also that negotiation of those social situations that they don't get right because they're so used to adults stepping in and and solving things for them these days and so when when you're in adult directed programs not only are they not having that time you know to to be at home and to sort of be bored and to be creative and come up with things or to meet their friends they're they're being forced to being with certain friends with certain people um <laughs> Well, which, you know, sometimes it's totally. good if you like the people you're with and sometimes, you know. I said this to my daughter. I was like, well, your teammates and your soccer team could be your friends. And she's like, I already have a lot of friends, mum. I don't need any more. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I'm really hearing the message many times over. She doesn't like it. <laughs> Kids are so used to adults directing everything, right? At school, it's like, okay, you know, we're doing this now. We're doing that now. Now we're going outside for recess. Now it's lunchtime. And in a lot of those programs, that's also what they're getting. We're doing drills. We're going to do this drill. You're going to wait your turn. Now you go. And then there's a game. That's fine. But when they don't, when that's all they have, that's a problem. No, I think that's such a great point. I think, I mean, me and Kate have been talking about this a lot recently that as, you know, like our, our oldest children are only five. So we're still, you know, relatively new parents on the scale of things, but it already feels like there's so much pressure for all these activities. And then we have these moments where on one side, I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to log on at 7am to get the early sign up for the next lesson. And then on the other side, I'm like, what are we doing with our lives? Our children are five. <laughs> like, you know, and I think we live here in BC. And so I don't know how comparative it is to Ontario, but I'm sure very much the same. But for some activities like skiing in BC, there's these moments where I'm like, oh my God, we got to be up the mountain. My five-year-old's got to be skiing. We got to be pushing it. And then I'm like, okay, if we're not going to be on the Olympic team, it's probably fine that we're not skiing every weekend. Like you have to take a step back and be like, my child is only five. They will develop at a great place and we're exposing them to so many things, which is wonderful. But it often feels like a lot of pressure because a lot of what we see in social media and the media are these parents. I'm like, oh my God, their two-year-old's already snowboarding down a black diamond and my five-year-old can't even do that yet. And you feel so behind, but it's such a skewed perception of reality of what's really happening. And so I think you've got to find that balance for a parent where some structured activities, if it helps to guide your weekend or bring time together for your family is great, but it's also okay to be like, not everyone's doing a hundred activities all the time. That's actually, it's actually not what's happening. And we need to have more unstructured time for our kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's such, you said it so well right there. And it is, it's, it's a balance and it's wanting to expose them to things that you think they might be interested in and that feeling that pressure too, right? Like, I've actually haven't had to deal with a lot of that pressure so far because of COVID, right? Like, you know, at Yay! the time of this recording, we're still in, <laughs> you know, pretty much full on pandemic, but, but I still feel that pressure. Like I still hear about people saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm looking at this le soccer lessons, or I'm going to do this sport ball, I'm going to do gymnastics, whatever it is. And, 
And it, it is, it's hard to say, no, I'm not doing that. And I, it is to some extent, just what people feel like they should be doing. And I think, you know, for me, when we are able to eventually swimming lessons is important to me because I think it's an important skill to have. And my family does ski. So that would be also something, but again, like I'm not going to push it strongly. And I do think that there are things that are skiing's great because it's a family activity. You go together and it's, you know, so hiking same, it's really about balance and it's about being able to advocate for what you know is best. And when, you know, you have the experience that, that I have, and when you start to learn about play and, um, what being just being outside and being able to play in their own way, like all of the benefits that happen with that, you start to realize like, okay, I'm not depriving my child, I'm actually giving them opportunities. And and you're developing skills in them that they wouldn't necessarily get a chance to develop in, in a more structured activity. Jane, if we've got people who are listening into this, or even me and Jen as well, and they're thinking, Gee, this is sort of resonating with me here. I am probably overscheduling my kid. We don't have much time before and after work because we have full-time jobs. And on the weekends, I'm too scheduled. I've got too much going on and I'd love to give my kid more time for this. What's some of the ways, like some easy ways that you could get started? You know, sometimes people think I'm not even an outdoorsy person. How will I begin with this? Yeah. And I think that's that's where I come from in a way. Like I said, you know, my parents were sporty. We did a lot of outdoor stuff, but it wasn't you know, we, we didn't go camping all the time and stuff, but I'm not like, that's not me. I don't see myself as an outdoorsy person. And I actually, you know, often would rather stay and curl up on the couch and read a book, especially if it, if it, if it does look a little bit, you know, iffy outside, that's what I want to do. But I know that it's good for me and it's good for my, my child. Um, and in the work that I do, I know that it's good for uh, for the children that I work with. And I think that's, you got to come back to that, that you know that this is what is important. So some of the easy things to do, I think, are kind of leading in from that is mindset. So for me, when I was on maternity leave, that was a big thing was like, okay, you know, it's hard to get this kid organized and ready to go outside. It's, you know, you're still struggling with like be, being a parent and all of that stuff. But I just was like, I know I need to go outside. And I know that she is better when we go outside. They're cranky. They're crying. Even older kids, right? They're bouncing off the walls. What's the best thing you can do? Remove the walls. <laughs> and everybody is happier. Um, and then the rest of the day tends to go better. So I think that that was something is knowing that I'm doing the right thing for both me and my child and kind of looking at it from a mindset perspective of I'm going to do this every day. I would say sometimes, you know, in the winter it was eight and I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go today. No, we're going out. We're going out for 15 minutes and then we'll see. And generally I stayed out for at least an hour and and we went for a big walk. Trying to, if you're a scheduling person, try and schedule it into your day. Something as small as 15 minutes. Um, there's days even where, I mean, me and my husband, we both work full-time jobs. So we definitely have that busy schedule. And there are days where I'm like, let's just, after getting home from daycare, walk the kids to the mailbox and walk around the block for 15 minutes. Like if that's all we have today, it's 15 minutes of fresh air and outside time. We're taking that little break to kind of break up the day between daycare and getting home and the busyness of making dinner. So I really like the idea of like, make it small and make it tangible. Getting outside with kids doesn't mean you need to plan a three-hour adventure. That's not, that's not what we're going for. It's like, how can you look for those really small windows of time even if it's just 15 minutes to get outside. Um, and I love what you said about if the kids are bouncing off the walls, 
remove the walls. Uh, because me and Kate both know, like being home, uh, you know, we've had two maternity leaves and then working through a pandemic. And there is nothing worse when you just could see the energy ratcheting up. And the best thing you can do, the only thing, honestly, you can do at that point is get them to a place where they can output that energy in a safe in a safe way outside. So Jane, I'm kind of curious as well um, about, we obviously don't want to be leading these activities as parents. We want our kids to be doing that. And there's, from what you've said, there's a lot of growth that they can have when they're choosing what they're doing outside. But are there items we can take with us, any gear we can put in our backpack or the bottom of the stroller that we could take along with them to sort of encourage it and to sort of make suggestions for them, particularly if they're newer to playing outdoors by themselves? Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And I think that, again, going back to sort of what what Jen was saying, like, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be some big, huge uh, event or adventure activity. Make it simple. And, you know, start with 15 minutes. Ideally, kids should have two to three hours a day outside. But I know that's not practical for most people. It's certainly not practical in my life, even though I know that it's beneficial. So start where you can. Certainly, it helps to be prepared. And, you know, as a mom, having snacks is always a good thing, (laughs) you know, and all those other things of like sunscreen and, you know, having all the things that you kind of need. But I find that um, one of the best things that I've done as a parent, and this came from my training, is to bring what, what we call loose parts. So stuff. And loose parts are really open ended things that kids can play with. And they're often things that we as adults, maybe we've discarded or we don't care so much about so they can, they get messy or destroyed. That's okay. So, you know, a cardboard box is a perfect example that, you know, that thing about everybody says like, well, I bought them this big toy and they played with the box because it's, it's an open-ended item and they can change it and they can adapt. It can be one thing and then it's another thing. Cardboard box may be hard to lug to the the park, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, what what I would do is is I have a bag or sometimes it's a bucket and and I just have a few things in it and so it's often sand toys um, maybe a couple like dinosaurs or other toys those might not be officially loose parts but they can add into the play buckets funnels sometimes if you have like a some piping or milk crates are a great one and. Rope is always great, but you you do have to feel comfortable with that because there is risk involved in that. But yeah, some things that you can kind of make the play a little bit more interesting. So I bring it to the park and I find that there was, it was like last spring, I guess it was, and I would bring it to the park every day. And the park's just fortunately just down the street from us. And all the kids would come and be like, what did you bring today? What did you bring today? And it was always the same, you know, but to them, it was new. And so the park is sand, and they would have all these amazing things that they would create. And this it would really extend the play. And we would even sometimes leave the bucket or the bag of stuff, and then the kids would drop it off on their way back home to our play. Could be those little drinking yogurt bottles, things that you have around, you don't have to necessarily invest in them, and that the kids can kind of figure out and decide what they want to do. And that's one thing that that I find is that they always do things that are different than what you think, that when you let them kind of explore and come up with ideas, they do something really interesting. Yeah, I love that. I think for us, the bucket and the shovels, it's like always a win. I think we'll add a link in our show notes. Uh, Me and a few of our neighbors here have this exact, the same exact bucket set where it's like, 
three buckets that all fit and one of them's a funnel and two shovels. And it all fits together very compactly, which is nice. Uh, so one, it fits under your stroller very compactly. Two, two kids, two shovels, very important. Um, and three, <laughs> Kate knows this. And three, because it fits together, you don't accidentally leave parts behind uh, because I'm sure we have left strewn across many beaches, the odd shovel or the odd funnel that got mixed up with other people's toys and you aren't sure who's or who's anymore. So when we, I remember when the pandemic, I think first started, this is one of those things that I was like, we're going to use this every day outside. And it's true. Like you said, like, even though it's the same bucket set that we bring, the kids always do different stuff. Sometimes they're stacking the buckets. Sometimes we're digging. Sometimes we're, we're doing all kinds of different things with it. Uh, but it's a perfect example of just an open-ended toy that can be used. My two-year-old loves it. My five-year-old loves it. It's simply a bucket and shovels not fancy at all. <laughs> chalk you talked about in your childhood. Chalk is, is extremely versatile. I always have a some chalk in there as well. And and also in winter, like those toys are the same or those, you know, items are totally great in winter. Like we make snow castles instead of sand castles. Might be a bit different here. <laughs> rain, rain castles here, rain castles. <laughs> but same thing, you know, like rainy days. I mean, the sand, if you have sand in a playground, sand when it's wet is awesome, right? And, you know, also if there's puddles and you've got scoops, like anything that's a kitchen utensil to, like pots and pans and stuff like that, things obviously that you are okay with traveling with helps. Kids love to like cook and, you know, even just the, the pipes I was saying, like making sluices and they love to see where the water goes and how it flows and can they dam something up and so any you know any kind of thing that you can add and you can watch what they what they're interested in and then kind of think about okay well, how, what could I do to extend this like how could I add something they seem really interested in carrying stuff from one place to the other okay you know how could I help that so you can bring a milk crate or even like a shopping cart, something like that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now, Jane, you've given us lots of great examples of all the things we can do to get outside and prepare. But we always like to include an example of, you know, even when you're an expert in outdoor play or you're trying your best to get outside every time, we love to have the reality of it. So, you know, as a mom of a three-year-old, we'd love to hear in your own words, you know, a, a specific time or kind of an example of times when you're trying to get that 15 minutes outside and it was just not working out for whatever reason, you know, three-year-olds being three. Um, so, so give us, give us a real mom life moment of, of sometimes when things, when things go wrong with trying to get outside. You know, obviously being a parent is, is always a challenge and, I advocate strongly for playing out in in all kinds of weather, obviously not, you know, thunderstorms and hail and that kind of stuff. But, you know, we live in Canada and most of us have have winters and that's where um, I find it harder, obviously, trying to get a a two-year-old, a three-year-old into their snow stuff is hard. And and of course she can do it at, at childcare, right? Like she does it no problem, but for me, she won't. <laughs> oh, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> I'm too hot. I can't put it on. No, it's too yeah. hot. I hate my snow pants. It was actually last winter and there was an epic meltdown over getting into her snow suit. And and it was that thing of like, I knew we needed to go outside. I knew that the whole day was going to be, you know, not as smooth if we didn't get outside. And it, it was cold. So we needed to be properly dressed. There was just big meltdown. And then she just usually if we if I got her in her stuff and I got outside, then things picked up and she's kind of, okay, you know, now I'm exploring and discovering. But this time she just was like in it and she was just in a mood. And she just sat there and like 
you know, cried for 15 minutes. And I sat with her and, and kind of said, I know you're upset, like, but we're going to stay outside. And eventually I just started to, to make uh, snow castles. Like I said, with a little shovel and a bucket. And I just sat there beside her as she was upset. And I started to, to, to play and she started to eventually notice and, and then interact with me and start to do her own. And then from there, we went off and spent an hour outside after that too. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to happen. Kids are going to have their, their meltdowns or their, their opposition. But if you can get through that, they often really have a great time and you know that it's doing it's doing them good and it's doing you good. Awesome. So Jane, for anyone listening in, where can we find you online to learn more about free play outside? I'm on Instagram at Jane Pilskalnietis. And hopefully you can you link that because I know it's hard to spell. And uh, Well Bright Play is, the website is wellbrightplay.com. I think what I've learned from today's episode is that what I thought of as me being quite a lazy parent recently, I had COVID, was sitting in the back garden, which is very small, and was unable to move because I was feeling so unwell. And I let my kids dig up the garden because I didn't care what they were doing. I was definitely not guiding anything. I don't think I was actually being lazy now. I think I was getting them to engage in outdoor free play and I didn't even know it. So thank you for sharing all of this, Jane. I think that maybe that's what I should be aiming for is more of that kind of stuff and less of the structured, definitely less soccer for my kid because she just doesn't like it. And I think I've accepted that now. Um, so thank you. It's been really great to learn about all of this and to think about ways that we can incorporate it into our lives with our kids. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Jane, for being here. Um, we will link to all of Jane's information in the show notes below. So if you're looking to learn more about free play and ways to get outside or an upcoming event that uh, Jane has going on, please check that out. Um, otherwise, make sure you hit subscribe so you always get our latest and greatest episode. And you could find us on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids.